Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. Today's episode is brought to you by the musical stylings of After Dark. They have fantastic music. It always reminds me of pop music from the 90s in the best way. It's so comforting and wonderful. And I happen to know the artists. And they have been very supportive and are sponsoring today's show. And I couldn't appreciate them more. So go to Spotify, look up After Dark. It'll be the one that has the song Colors and Breakaway. And oh my goodness, they're just so fantastic. I'm so excited for you to hear them. So big thank you to After Dark, and here we go. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Chris Gazdick from Through a Therapist Eyes Podcast. How are you today, Chris? Hey, Kara, I'm doing good. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I am really excited to chat with you. So a little bit about Chris is... Chris is actually a longtime therapist and substance abuse counselor, and he is very kind to volunteer his time today to tell us a little bit about a topic that doesn't, it gets covered in multiple ways, but you know, um, Chris, what is mental health? What is mental health? Well, that is a big question. I got to back up though. I I planned on giving you a compliment here. I was going to do this on air. I didn't tell you I was going to do that, but uh, (laughs) I was checking out your show and I got to tell you, I I need to meet your editor or your producer or whoever and whatever you call him because that is, you have such a cool, like, touch of acoustics, like, playing so blissfully in the background <laughs> when I'm listening. I'm like, dude, that rocks. That is so relaxing, so inviting, and I just love the way your show sounds. And I love the title, I got to say, too, right? You know, The the Conquest of Blit. I mean, you know, it's just, it's nice. So I loved, I love listening to, to a few of your episodes. Thank you so much. That's that's very sweet. Do you want to know something that I don't believe I've ever said on air? Awesome. Um, (laughs) You want to know what I'm going for with the sound and uh, visuals of my show? What's that? (laughs) The idea is that it sounds like you're talking to an old friend, like you're staying up late in a cabin, you know, like like in the summer and it's like things get late. Maybe you've had wine, maybe you haven't, whatever, but it's late and you start having those deep conversations. That's what I picture when I'm putting together the pieces of the show is that sort of easy comfortability about deep topics because everybody's experienced it, but it's so rare and special. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for. That is absolutely cool. And, and you know, I think the thing that I like about that, Kara, honestly, is, you know, people have such a mysterious experience of what therapy is or what mental health treatment is like, oh, I don't want to be mental or crazy. And, you know, one of the things I feel like I do well, you know, we just did a show on what makes therapy successful and and, and productive. And that was really a cool conversation. It actually come out it was like the last show we did. So oh. like one day, whenever this comes out, I guess it'll probably already be out. But it was it was cool to do a show like that because of the mystery. Like I use humor in my work with people. And I think when you're having these intense conversations, you know, people will leave my office sometimes and not realize like how intense this topic was. But yet, because you're chilling, you're relaxing. And I love the visual imagery that you give with, you know, cabin and the woods and relaxing and and having those nice conversations that are require a lot of vulnerability and a lot of information gets shared, but in a relaxing way. So that's just cool, man. I love it. 
Thank you so much. That's that's really kind. I always love hearing that people enjoy, enjoy parts of the show. And The Conquest of Bliss, I named um, mostly because I love the irony of, you know, something that really requires a gentle touch um, and, and approaching it with that ire, you know, the con- Absolutely. conquering this idea. I don't idea know if you guys will ever see your video, but I got to jump in and say your facial expression is awesome. When you're saying conquest, conquest, right? yeah, <laughs> you're in and you get it, and 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 I'll tell you, I'll go a step uh, in a different direction, but in the same parallel with that, you know, I, I look at with with mental health treatment and with therapy, there's a conquest there too. There's a battle you're fighting, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I'm not a passive person, and. And, you know, when, when people come into my office, you know, there is, there is an incredible emotional battle going on and we attack those things. And you think those words, right? Conquest of bliss. You have your fight for your marriage. You're, you're in the battle within, like these are, these are armor, you know, weaponry, you know, this type of thing. And, but boy, how, how do you battle those things? You know, you, you challenge your internal thinking process. You 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 go into the soft touch of your emotions you you open up you 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 deal with the, the fear and the vulnerability that's required i mean you know having a level of genuineness and honesty those are the weapons that we wield in in the process of gaining emotional growth right exactly that's the, and that's yeah. what i love about it is it's this like this dichotomy where this bullheadedness and this desire that is so strong and so big and so loud. And, you know, like you said, it's a fight, but it it meets up with this part of ourselves that's just so gushy and mushy and soft. And, and you have to figure out how to work around that mushy gushiness. And like, sort of, it's, 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 like I said, it's very interesting. It's, it's a, it's something that I'm obviously passionate about. And so I'm glad that you get all of that from the name as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I must apologize. I think I completely diverted us from your question. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, I think this show is a show of diversions. <laughs> oh, rabbit trail. And, life is the, and life is the experience of diversions. You know, actually, uh, my pastor once made the point along those lines that I think is really pretty cool, which really equates to what we do emotionally, right? He says, you know, those all all those disruptions that you have in your day, those those distractions, and you know, sometimes we get annoyed with that. You know, in in therapy, when you're in a you're in an experience, you know, kind of wading through the emotions, you might go, bing, you know. I'm not talking about the ADD chasing a bunny down a down a different trail, but I'm talking about like, you know, those life disruptions might very well be God working in your life to to hit something that you didn't plan. It's an opportunity to help somebody when something happens in your day that just triggers some sort of emotion and you find yourself maybe even weeping. Well, you know, you, you might be grieving and, and and that's something that your emotional system is kind of taking you to. You know, your subconscious is working like all the time. And, and, and if you're in tune with that and you're then you're in tune with yourself, what you might think is disruption of your day with your emotional self might be an amazing opportunity for emotional growth. How's that for a reframe? Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I would even add to that too. That's really interesting about um, as you were talking, something came into my mind in addition to what you were saying. And that's that those diversions, those rabbit trails, those, those little short, um, whether it's emotional or conversational, that's what makes up the bulk of life. That's what living is, you know, like, like life, 
a life that is linear isn't interesting. A life that is, you know, one path, one way, no diversion. What's, I'm not trying to be harsh, but like kind of what's the point? You know, like where's the interest? Where's the growth, the learning, the, the everything? I hate this phrase, but you've heard it before, uh, Kara, I'm sure. Um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I hear that. And I'm like, oh, you know, my my uh, my life buddies and my mastermind group will say those types of things, self-improvement. It's kind of like, oh, you know what? You're in a rough time in life. You know, this is a great opportunity to grow. I'm like, <laughs> oh God, it sucks. I don't like it. But it's so true because when you stay comfortable, uh, you know, I'm sorry, shows pop in my head all the time when I talk about these things. You know, we, we did a show on, you know, why do people get stuck uh, fairly recently? And like, that was a, a deep in-depth look at like, you know, the fear that people have about changing and, and getting stuck in your emotion and the, 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 the fear of the unknown. I mean, these are things that really like hold us back. Yes. And so when you just stay in your little safe space, that's what you got. That's all you got. Get well, brave and jump somewhere, you know, it's, it, but it's tough. Yeah. And I mean, I did a show about bravery once and, and it really resonated with me is, is how important that is. Um, and sort of just the one year stuck, just kind of just trying to jump um, and seeing where it lands, because I mean, at least it's new, that kind of thing. Um, and what's really interesting, again, as you're talking, like these things, they pop into my head and then I'm like, no, 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 keep listening. And then, <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and, uh, and one of the things that popped in my head is you're kind of a rare person who actually, okay, I'll explain what I mean. So those motivational sayings also make me crazy. I do yeah. not like them. Um, very, very, very rarely like them because I think that those messages are so, so often much better used internally and sought out than they are given to people. Because when they're given to people, they can come off as very shamey and stuff. But then I was thinking about how you're a therapist and how being a therapist, you're in one of the few positions where that's like, yeah, that makes sense for you to do that. Whereas if it's just a friend and they're like, get comfortable being uncomfortable or it is what it is, like it almost is very dismissive. But as a therapist, you're there as a facilitator of growth. So you're in a position in life where it's not shamey for you to share those motivational sayings. Wow, That's okay. really interesting to me. That, that is interesting. Yeah. So when you hear that from a friend or um, maybe a family member, a sibling or something, you, I, I haven't thought about this. So this is fun. I like thinking about new things. You, you'll, you'll get much easier in touch with like shame and and guilt tripping and sort of uh, overbearingness or um, overwhelming somebody but, but whereas if it comes from like a pastor or a therapist or somebody that you would you would you would equate immediate trust with the the same message actually gets received very differently that's what i hear you saying um absolutely i mean i'm yeah. not uh, i'm not personally religious but yes when it comes to some sort of uh, what I would consider mentor or, you know, guide like a therapist or in the case of people who who attend church pastors, things like that. Yeah. It, because I think it has to do with the the dynamics, the hierarchical dynamics. So when a peer says something to me like that, I tend to feel very defensive and right. like they're trying to shame me or like they're saying that I'm not doing a good enough job. And And sometimes I feel 
and this may be just be my own personal issues because I have many of them. Um, uh, we all do, and <laughs> therapists do as well, I can assure you. Um, but sometimes <laughs> it feels like they're trying to force themselves into that role for me, that guiding role, when sometimes I just want someone to hold space, right? If I was seeking that sort of authoritative, this is what you need to do, then I would seek the people that already have those dynamics with me. Whereas a friend doesn't necessarily, or, you know, even people who might think they have authority over me, hashtag dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no daddy issues. Let's not talk about my mother. Okay. Let's, can we get that? Um, but yeah, so I just think that that's really interesting because, you know, as a therapist, you are in a position where that is the dynamic, you know, a, a therapist client um, dynamic is one of mentorship and of guidance and of helping people to flow through these difficult emotions and so these, you know, these hard truths, you know, come from a much nicer place. Or like I said, internally, like, you know, I've thought many times like, well, you know, think about all the other people that are suffering. You should be grateful. If somebody says that to me, I swear to God, I am not, <laughs> not the kindest in response. Throat punch them, right? <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and, and if you, you'll, you'll, you'll forgive me, because I think this is a teaching moment. I think to go a little bit further with that, it's interesting, right? Because I, I haven't thought about it in the way that you presented it, but, you know, as I'm thinking about it with you, you know, I'm a substance abuse therapist as well, right? So I'm familiar with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think that you're right. So I'm not in recovery, by the way, but if I were and I'm in the AA meetings, you know, they are stock chock full of mottos and daily reminders and things that they say. And mm -hmm. they're very, very helpful. They're, you know, one day at a time, you know, keep it simple, stupid. You, you may have heard some of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so if I'm if I'm there re receiving or for the purpose of getting feedback or help on something, then you know, yeah, I, I'm going to receive those very differently than if somebody's crashing on me. Mm -hmm. uh, my mastermind group might say some critical things about, well, my show or my book or my my business. Actually, one person in my, well, do I want to say that out loud? I guess I will. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> one person suggested that, you know, we have a, a hobby instead of a business. And I was like, what? Dude, no, man. Hurtful. It's strong. Yes, I was like, I'm not here for you to tell me that, but I kind of am. And so, but because I also am sometimes with my friends, right? So my brother and I talk a lot, you know, once a week or so, pretty mm -hmm. close with him. And I've got some close buddies that are really, really buddies. So that when I'm talking about an emotional issue with them, I'm open to that. And I, and I actually want that. So mm -hmm. if they throw a motto or throw something at me, you know, or a simple statement, it's like, ooh, okay, that might be something I need to look at. I actually have a good example of that. But if I'm just hanging out with them and kind of chilling, watching the Steelers, because I'm a Steeler fan, <laughs> Steeler football season, just point that out because I'm excited about this year. <laughs> but then I don't want to hear that kind of stuff and I don't want you crashing on me. It's not the time. So my question in the learning moment is, can we get to an emotionally active place with people that we're close to and defeat some of the shame and some of the hurt that might come from that? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I, I also tough. do. That's tough. But yeah, I think I think like um, you really hit the nail on the head and it comes to solicitation or not. Right. So if, if I because because as I'm as you're talking and as I'm talking, I'm going, you know, that's not a hard and fast thing, which, of course, it almost never is. Um, right. But yeah, like if like there's a big difference. So say I go to a peer and 
I say, I really need your advice. Or actually a thing that a lot of my friends do is if I come to them and I have a problem, I'll say, hey, do you have, you know, do you have the energy to, to talk to me about something I'm struggling? And then often they'll say, okay, are you looking for someone to just hear you? Or are you looking for advice? Right. Which is, which is really helpful because then we're kind of all on the same page and we avoid well, the point of our conversation yeah. issues. Yeah. But if yeah. I come to a friend for advice and I say like, you know, I'm really struggling with X and there's just a billion things that I struggle with. And, right. uh, <laughs> um, and then they give me feedback, even if it's, you know, cliches or even if it puts the onus on me, that's, you know, that I, that is better received than if I just go to a friend and I'm just trying to seek validation maybe, or just get it off of my chest because it's overwhelming me or things like that. And then I'm, I'm given a cliche. That's when it tends to feel um, dismissive. But to be honest, because my close friends are so often asking, you know, asking what I'm seeking, it doesn't really happen with close friends. So I think that that might be part of the issue for me is that as people that aren't close with me, don't know my story, don't know my history, you know, and as I'm sure that you've experienced as well as someone who is in the public space, people tend to think that they know you better than they do or tend to think that because they know a lot about you, that that they've got that sort of authoritative idea of who you are. Does that make sense? I think so. I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it is interesting. Maybe it's parallel to that or a little bit of a one or two degrees off of that. But, you know, being a therapist, we do get idealized a lot. You know, people will put us on a pedestal like, hey, we got our emotional stuff taken care of. I'm coming to you. And so you, I can get what you got. And I'm kind of like, sometimes I'm like, dude, if you only knew like <laughs> that blows around in my brain and insecurities that blow up and they come out of my mouth in ways I don't intend sometimes, you know, like we're all human trying to kind of you know, that's one of the things I like saying on my show, you know, the human emotional experience. We're trying to figure this out together. That's what we endeavor to do. And and uh, and I think that's what we're doing anytime people are talking. So, you know, not, not to lose the point, I want to encourage people like, yeah, you can go to a therapist or you can go to a life coach. You can go to these places, a program or a group or AA, you know, but we can also grow emotionally together because you know what's happening with mental health? I would like to mental health issues let's hear it they're becoming more acceptable yes, right yes, they are right and, and how awesome is that like one of the things that is my passion is to break down stereotypes break down myths and disseminate information which is what we try to do and 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 that's and that's be, it's actually becoming easier because people will actually listen i've had whole cultures of people that have actually come into my office now and it's so cool to see that change from like look 20 25 years ago when i started to now like dudes <laughs> are in therapy now like <laughs> how cool is that yeah and and what i've noticed too like like yes it's so cool the destigmatization of getting help and the realization that you're actually better off to to generally you're better off to learn about it avoiding it doesn't actually mean the problem's not there and it's it worse and what I thought was cool too is the the ages of people. So, like obviously, um, Gen Z is very pro therapy. You know, getting into it more and more. But what's cool is that's bleeding into like people who are older, who you know, the same people twenty twenty five years ago who needed that therapy, right. but felt that they couldn't. 
are now able to go and get that therapy. And some might say it's too late. And I say it's never too late. You it know? really is. I've had 70 year olds in therapy just as much as I've had 27 year olds in therapy and 17. And it's very know? exciting. So back to the original question. Okay. Um, if you Where were we to, <laughs> it's okay. This is, this is my life. I'm always <laughs> rabbit trail after rabbit trail. Um, so yeah. So if you were to explain to someone who'd never heard of the concept of mental health or mental wellness or any of that, how would you explain that to someone? Goodness gracious. You know, it's probably my answer would be affected by, by our conversation even thus far, which is the way our minds work. Right. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, managing the emotional experiences that we have as an individual person, man, woman, and child, right? You know, mental health is something that I I see as we've lifted some of the stereotypes and stigmas and such, uh, we, we've already done with some of the medical things, right? It's, it's now, a little bit less stigmatizing to have some medical conditions, whereas it used to be like you're a leper and you're kicked out of our society. And and so mental health is being woven into our awareness in present day, so much so that I, I believe that you and I will see, uh, I might have you by a couple of years, Kara. So definitely you, <laughs> sorry, that sucks, but it's true. I'm older probably. Um, even in my days, I think that we will have mental health services and clinicians interwoven into the medical field. I mean, we're in the medical field, but we've always been completely the redheaded stepchild. Mm-hmm. So I, I envision, and it's already happening in, 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 in family medicine practices today, you, you will oftentimes, particularly in medical groups across our country, have mental health clinicians right next door to the doctor, like in the mm-hmm. doctor's office. Let me let me take you down to Susie's office and they walk you down and you can have a little mental health checkup from the neck up like they like to say. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I feel like you'll have your family doctor and you'll have your your family mental health clinician that you just check in with every couple few times a year even, you know? Yeah. And, and what a world of difference that is when we have. So what is mental health? Getting back to that, when we have an awareness of the need to manage our mental wellness, that's all it is, is emotions and feelings, right? Yeah. Well, and one thing that I think is really cool that I've noticed, um, so I haven't been in therapy in a little bit. Um, I ended up moving and all this stuff, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside, which I think happens, especially when it's remote. Um, Same thing with my uh, doctor appointments. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) when I was in therapy, one thing that I noticed that's really cool is a sort of surgeons, and I think it's one of the reasons that it's being destigmatized the way it is, is of positive psychology being coupled with the sort of a defensive psychology. Does that make sense? Yeah, say that again. Um, positive psychology. So uh, versus defensiveness. Versus okay. like the defensive psychology where we're trying to fix people, quote unquote, and going through all the things that are going wrong, but we're coupling that or like, like I, we're, I'm seeing in a lot more stuff, whether it's you know, when I was doing therapy or watching, you know, talking to other people about their therapy, where it's no longer about just fixing people, but about helping people to find well-being and using some of the positive psychology techniques. Right. You know, it's funny. I, I'm always learning. I've, I've been doing this for 20, 25 years or so, give or take. It will more, more give. But um, 
the, the show that we just did, What Makes Therapy Successful, I came across a new, a new thought. I never really had this before, and it wasn't mine. It was, it was something that I read in my show prep. So there's an illness model of therapy, and then there's a wellness model of therapy. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So the illness model is, hey, I've got this crappy feeling, you know, I get all shaky and I get panicky and my heart rate goes up and I, I start, you know, having a hard time breathing. Well, we know those are what? Panic attacks, right? Yeah, symptoms of anxiety disorders. Yeah. Right. Right. Type <laughs> of anxiety. And so you come to therapy because you really don't want to feel this way anymore. And it's an illness based uh, and model. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just different. What's your, what's your expectation of therapy in that situation? I want my symptom sets to be alleviated. And we have things that we kind of go through to manage that. Yeah. But on the other hand, and sometimes it switches from that into the other type, which has different kinds of expectations, right? Which is becoming more common in having the wellness model of, mm-hmm. of therapy services, right? Where you're, you're really just like, okay, how can I build my wellness? What, how can I build my life? What, what passions do I need to explore and how can I make little changes? So my marriage is a healthier or my parenting gets adjusted a little bit like there's that's cool stuff. And, and that's, that's a whole nother aspect of what we, we incorporate into, you know, what we do. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. Cause like I said, um, I, so positive psychology has been around since the nineties, but it wasn't really popular, um, in, in a treatment setting. It was always about getting people better, not about getting people even better. Right. And, uh, and so what's cool is we're like, at least I'm seeing as I sort of watch from somewhat afar, this, this psychology world, this therapy world is, is a marriage of the two concepts where it used to just be about illness or it would be like, you know, like, like doctors who take care of sick patients versus doctors who train Olympic athletes. Right. Um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. But you're, you're sort of seeing a, a marriage of those two where it's, we'll start with the illness and then we'll work on the wellness. And it's exactly. really inspiring. So have you noticed many changes like that in, in your practice or in the, because I know that therapists need to sort of re-up on a lot of their, their techniques and different stuff. So, you know, have I noticed an increase in people's, so what you're making me really journey in my mind about is, you know, kind of earlier on in the days when I began doing therapy, we'll just say like 98, 99, we'll say the turn of the century and compared to now. And I've, First of all, I'd like to be able to say in more present day, certainly people are wanting to be more well and not just symptom alleviated. But I don't, but I don't know that I want, but I want to try to think about that on the spot here and be thorough and honest with it. <laughs> and, I, and it's hard for me because that obviously is kind of so long ago, you know, <laughs> I think I'll answer it this way. I, 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 I hope there's more, I hope there's, there's more search for wellness. And, and I think there might be, and, and here's why I think I, think there might be. You know, our divorce rate has been about 55, 50, 60% first marriage forever. I mean, like forever. It's, okay. it's terrible. Okay. So you know how millennials get picked on for a lot of reasons, right? I sure do. <laughs> Are you one of them? I'm not going to ask. <laughs> well, I'm about ready to give you that compliment if you can handle it. All right. Um, millennials have done something amazing to the divorce rate. 
it is it is pretty well seen that the divorce rate now <clears throat> is somewhere around 45% give or take some change. Oh, wow. Right? And that is the first time in like forever, right? Like women's liberty and everything in the 60s and 70s came out when you know probably before that was different, but then women are like hear me roar and we can speak and we're going to we're, we're we're equal and all that. And so it's like, I don't have to put up with this crap. And that's when the divorce rate probably, don't don't quote me on these numbers or whatever, but, (laughs) you know, since since like the 70s, at least or so, have been pretty stagnant. But it's it's thought that millennials are waiting longer to get married and, and establish their lives themselves to have kids and whatnot, which is very stressful. But then most importantly as well, it's it's hypothesized at least that you know, when they see themselves getting a little sideways, they're like, whoa, yo, hold up. We need to take a look. We need to see what's going on. Let's let's bump ourselves back on track. And I can tell you <clears throat> with with younger generations, people have been married for five, six, maybe just months, five, six years, maybe just months. And I can't tell you how cool that is. Right. How cool that is. And but whereas when it, with older people in marriage, I think it's true to say they've been married for 20 years, 25. And they're like so jaded and so you know built up with resentments that it, the prognosis is a little is a little worse. So I don't know. I'd like to believe and I think it's very possible that, yeah, a lot more people are kind of saying, hey, I just feel kind of crappy and I want to figure out a little bit more why and how can I change my life to do that? And that's stupid cool. Well, yeah, like that's I think I think you touched on on exactly what I was thinking, and that's that. The wellness model, by its very nature, covers the illness model or like before it gets to the point where it's illness, right? Because if you're chugging along in the wellness model and you're trying to make your life even better and you come into challenges like, oh, that's trauma, you know, before that trauma comes to the point where you're, you know, actively in addiction or you're in this or that, you're seeing it and you're, you're starting to unpack it along with trying to improve your overall wellness. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Oh, okay. I love that. Let's see what happens here, right? So, <laughs> I love her face. That's awesome. You got to get the video out. No, <laughs> so, so here's the deal. With, with I, I want to level them out because I, I think they're, they're really kind of two equally important components. And Absolutely. So, so this, is, this is what I call an overview of mental health. Back to your original question. What is mental health? Okay, here's a major <laughs> overview of mental health. Right. right. And I call this the tale of two tapes. So on the one side, you have biological realities. I mean, they just are your your hypothalamus, your brain, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, these neurotransmitters, your amygdala, your exercise, nutrition, like the, the way your body is operational drives how you feel. Right. Absolutely. But on the other side of the tale of two tapes, you have social and emotional realities. So your personal life experiences, your personal life's relationships, and then the daily stress and the grind. And that's where you might find a lot of the quote unquote wellness, right? So so your social and emotional also drives how you feel. Mm -hmm. So there's a dynamic interaction between your biological components and your social and emotional components blending dynamically together to create what it is that somebody's experiencing. And so you really need to look at the symptom sets. Yes. What is your body doing? Psychotropic medications have a place in mental health. I say they're a, they're a, they're a tool to manage mental health, not a solution. And so a lot of people are really confused and have a lot of social and emotional turmoil. And we can start with what's the body doing? Let's learn about that. Let's directly manage that. And Boom, your wellness is equally then affected. So, so I might say, isn't it hopeful? We can affect either side first 
that's going to impact the other because it's so dynamically related. Yes. So I fully agree with what you said. So I'm thinking that I maybe um, was not clear in the way that I spoke because I agree fully with what you yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say? Let's go back and rewind. Um, I think, yeah, like I, I definitely agree with that. I guess what I was I, getting at is the thing that I'm excited about with the wellness model is it's getting people interested in their own mental health before there's issues with the body because absolutely like like not to be crude but there's oh I don't even know if you would use this term there but there's really fuck all you can do in your head if your brain or if your body your physical side is going haywire like you know like you you that's that's where you have to jump in and and stop the cycle because if you have no dopamine or serotonin properly running through your body it doesn't matter how hard you try to think it away the chemicals aren't there so I fully agree yeah. with you. Yes. Okay. We, we're, we're, in, we're in agreement. And, and, you know, I'm glad that we're on this point because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stigmas still out there and stereotypes. And, oh, it just, it, it breaks my heart sometimes when people are dealing with, let's just say, depression. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, well, today's a great day. Why are you always so miserable? What is wrong with you that you always see the negative component of life? And, you know, what you don't understand is when somebody's in depressed states, their motivation is taken from them. Their appetite is taken from them. Things that they know they're interested in don't seem interesting. They're tired, even though they've slept. They have hypersomnia. They're tearful. And they really don't know why. These things are attacking them. And it's their body that's literally doing that to them. And when you use, that's where you go back to our cliche segment, right? And you pop a cliche at them. They're like, dude, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't understand what, what, what I'm going through. And, and you don't. So... Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what I was thinking with the with the cliche thing is, yeah, you know, you it, like, yeah, that's that's so perfect. And what a perfect way to come around. Uh, <laughs> so so is there OK, I know that this is probably not a question that you have an answer to. And and if not, we're just going to it's on me. But, All right. <laughs> um, you know, I know that everyone's mental health is unique and their their situation is unique and like all of that. But is there one thing, I know there's almost definitely not, um, is there uh, one thing that you could inv- advise that would likely heal or help, sorry, not heal, help most people with their mental health journey? I know it's probably not. No, let's move on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> like, I love easy answers and I know they don't actually exist. Um, no, let's stay to that. Let me, let me do better than that. <laughs> You know, you know, okay, here's how I think I can answer this. Okay. No, there there really isn't. I mean, you were setting it up and, 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 and there's, there's a plethora of, of different things that, uh, that we can kind of tap into that will, will be a, a skill. Okay. To, to manage your mental health. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pop you a list right now. I was wondering if I was going to be able to work into the show, this, this list, right? Love it. It's a cool list. Uh, it's definitely not by memory. I'm going to be switching my screen here and reading it to you. But All right. this, this, let me tell you where this comes up from, though. So I would always kind of t- tell people, look, I, I, so many times I get a request of, you know, I want some skills. I want some strategies. Give me some skills and strategies to manage the way that I feel. I'm like, OK, all right, I, I get it. I'm with you. 
Um, I've even said it in session, you know, you can Google, you know, stress management techniques <laughs> and, and you'll read like this list. It's what I always thought. Well, I did again, I'm sorry. Our shows come up with these topics. It's cool. You know, I, I, I did a show on, you know, the management of mental health or something along those lines. You know, what, what are the skills? I actually did a Google. I did what I've been saying for years for people to do. You know what I found? That it's not simple. It's it, there's not really a great list. Yeah. There's not a good cumulative list of stuff. And so there is a good list. I'm going to read it to you now. But the point is, I want you to hear this long list of things that I've developed. It's part of my talk of the methodical management of mental health, right? How, okay. how cool is that for a title? <laughs> but I want you to hear this list and I want you to just think of like, what's one or two, maybe three of these that I would be able to, to use. Okay. okay. Ready? Yes. Break things down to small pieces. Okay. Self-care. Breathing, journaling, exercise, talk to and use of friendship, developing a one, five and 10 year plan development, mindfulness of nutrition, have a pet, visualization, tension release meditation, sensory answer to panic feelings, avoid the use of permanency words. That's a really big one. That's a cool oh, one, yeah. right? Introspectively challenge our perceptions, revisit stressful life events, check in on it, attack fear you notice or, you, or, or that you have. Vacations or shorter breaks in life with fun. Uh, read self-meditation on self-help or study faith tradition texts. Write a moral code or list a moral code. Meditation. Physical actions like yoga, martial arts, different from working out. Make a change in life patterns. Do something different. Identify and practice identification with the emotion of the moment right now. Develop rituals like the tomb of the unknown. That's, uh, I, that's always going to need an explanation. Something I do in my office. Right. Develop a gratitude list, aromatherapy, listen to calming music or sounds, play instruments or soothing sounds, neurological calming, coloring or painting develop and use a mantra. Choose a positive focus point. I put that in my book that I wrote a lot. Right. Uh, pray to a creator, go to or intend a meeting of some kind. Read about the issue. Learn about the issue. Acupuncture, you know, <laughs> laugh with comedy in any way possible. That's probably a big one. Right. Wow. Practice assertiveness to avoid passivity or aggression, a broken record statement. And oh, by the way, go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was incredible, Chris. That right? like, oh, OK, I'm going to try and breathe here. OK, so what's really, really cool about that is I lost motivation really quickly because I started to feel better. But last time that I started kind of going into a deep, dark hole, which was very recently, um, I started a list like that. And I didn't get nearly that far. I got like maybe five. Um, <laughs> but well, I think if you that add that, one to my list, I would be totally stoked, by the way. Uh, affirmations. Um, <laughs> they work for some people, not my thing. But um, I love the idea of a giant list of tools because the thing is, even like, like you said, it's, you know, person to person is different. Moment to moment is different. There are days where breathing is all I need to, to manage my emotions. Right. And then there's a lot of days where I'm like, fuck you. Like I, breathing doesn't help. It's just breathing, you know? Right. So right, like, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. Carrie, you rock. You just added to us, uh, develop self affirmations to my list. That's awesome. It's, <laughs> it's, it's on my list now. So, and, and, and I, I need to really sit down and actually spend like a while brainstorming and really thinking what are those different things come back to it. Now I intend to have like a list 
like that. That'll keep on growing. Every time I do a talk, I may add one, right? Because we're all learning together, remember? Exactly. And that's, right? and I think just even having a list like that is a tool, right? right? Because then you start to panic and you go, you know what though? I'm not, I'm not helpless, you know? And maybe there's only one thing on that list in that moment that's going to work, but you have a list of of tools that go, hey, you're not helpless. You have at least, like at the very least, you'll spend 10 minutes distracted trying to figure out if any of these will Which work. Which one am I going to try? <laughs> but I really want to make the, the, the main point there too of choose one or two because each and every single one of those are skills. Mm-hmm. They, they really are emotion management skills. What is it like when you pick up a new skill? Do you do it well? No. <laughs> no. I, I, you know... It's funny. Meditation is one of them. I'll use that as an example, right? Like I really love bird watching and I'll sit down and I'll just get quiet with myself and I'll, I'll get into reading and I'll do some things to, you know, to kind of get my own mental craziness chilled out. Uh, I really need to do that when I get home today. Cause I've had a afraid day, as I told you when, before mm-hmm. the mic came on. Right. But, but, but meditation to just sit there in a yoga position and meditate Dude, my thoughts are buzzing around my head. I get the monkey brain, just like my ex-co-host used to say. <laughs> and and so I suck at that one. I, I really, yeah, I'm a therapist and I'm going to tell you, I suck at meditation. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to choose that one because I, I, I <laughs> operate better with, you know, writing things down and I'm a talkative person. So I will call my friends. That's one of my big ones. Uh, you know, so you choose one or two or three and begin to use those to get better at them, then maybe add a fourth. Don't sit there and try to think you're going to do all, what is that, 25 of them well. That's not going to work. Yeah, I totally agree and hope that it didn't come across that way. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I didn't really, but but I want to make that point for other, you know, for our listeners, because that can be overwhelming as well. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I just thought of another thing that I use, um, and and I Maybe it was on your list, but worded differently. But something that is a skill that really, really helps me when I'm struggling is teaching other people almost anything. Whether I'm teaching them about, you know, about a topic or I'm teaching them how to do that, that really, it it helps to shift the part of my brain that I'm using. I don't know how, but it helps calm me down a lot. That's interesting. Yeah, I had to think about it as an emotion management tool. Um, there's there's lots of things that we engage in and do uh, that that shift the way that we feel. And why not? Yeah, that's an emotion management tool, I guess you could say, because you know when you're when you're teaching and sharing something that you that you know about, um, that helps your positive self view, right? That, that that changes your I statements. That changes the way that you experience yourself. And um, yeah, that could be. I could see that. Yeah, let me go back to the second original question. We've only had two <laughs> questions, right? How's that? Happen? <laughs> so so because I, I, I did think as we were talking. Uh, what, you know, what's one thing that you can do, you know, that that's pretty universal and there is actually one thing. So I answered no and I'm going to change my answer. Can I do that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Self-care. Okay. Self-care. I I call, I call self-care the cornerstone of mental health. Right. And, and a lot of times therapists will talk about this. This is, this is fun, relaxing, enjoyable activities that are kind of like hobbies and they're not self-destructive in any way. And they're not work-related tasks. So there's just ways to distract yourself from the realities, right? You go off and you do something fun. It could be five minutes. It could be five hours or five weeks. But it, it's it's pl- unplugging and then you plug back in is an important part, 
but mm-hmm. you don't want to work yourself to death and just kind of distract yourself by wearing yourself out working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you definitely don't want to do what my dear friend years ago taught me are negative coping mechanisms. Yes. Just, uh, like, I'm going to employ my negative coping mechanisms this weekend, Chris. I'm like, okay, man. Well, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. So I, I have one final question before um, we move into the next part of this. And that is, so there are definitely some negative coping mechanisms that are very clearly negative. Um, I could list them, but there's really no need. I feel like you know what I'm talking about. And then there's some that are very clearly positive. And then there's some that fall in between. So for example, um, you know, eating can be very wholesome depending on what you're eating and stuff like that. So how do you, because when you're in the moment, it can be very hard to to know. How do you recognize a bad negative coping mechanism if it isn't Mm. very obviously self-destructive, like things like self-harm and stuff? You know, I, I think I differ with you a little bit there. I, I think there isn't really an in-between, uh, you know, but 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 you're interesting. And as with most things, life is gray, right? So let's stay with eating. You know, nutrition and eating for, for the, the, the betterment of your body is great, but it's pretty easy to figure out if you think when you're eating self-destructively, you know, when you're when you're coping with emotional eating, you're usually not reading, really eating an apple, are you? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. You're, depends. you're eating these, these comfort foods. Mm-hmm. And I go to McDonald's and I have my comfort food lunch and I go and you know what my, my uh, 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 office manager tells me? What? She's like, oh, you're going for the devil's food today, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm de- yeah, you know. So I think that if you think about what, what's the motivation of my behavior here and what am I feeling emotionally as I'm doing this? then you'll, you'll be able to kind of differentiate, you know, this is productive for me, or this is, this is more on the destructive side. Buying things is another one that you might think is great. Well, if you budgeted something and you can, and it's not really harming you in any way because you can afford it, then go ahead and blow $750 on a TV. And and you're going to, you know, do that because you've been saving for six months and it, it feels great to buy something. But when you're just going out on a shopping spree and you're blowing, you know, four bills that you really don't have in your budget and you came back with like 10 shirts or well, nowadays, what, like two shirts, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's, that's not great. That's, that's, you're really doing something that's on the destructive, the destructive side. Does that, does that make sense? Sort of, but I'm going to elaborate. Okay. And and so this is really interesting to me. And and okay. I love this. Um, I used to I used to do this with my therapist, where it kind of like go back and forth. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> so so the purchasing thing is a really good example. So someone like myself, um, I'm on a very, I've been on a very tight budget for a long time. Um, you know, not trying to be like poor me or anything, but obviously a fixed income is is challenging to live on, um, and it's well below the poverty line and stuff like that. But I do have some room in that budget and have long struggled to allow myself because I've been ill for a long time and unable to work the regular workforce for a long time. I really struggle to allow myself anything. And so for sure, sometimes purchasing something for myself could be self-care because it's a way to tell myself that I love myself. Absolutely. Maybe that might not quite like that. It won't destroy, like I'll I'll be able to pay rent, but it might make my food budgeting more challenging or my this budgeting more challenging, stuff like that. And I guess that's the gray area I'm talking about where it might make another area of my life challenging, but it'll definitely be good for me in this way. And that's kind of where that gray happens in 
in my a little opinion. bit, a little bit. We can parse words a little bit with it, but I think that you know, I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm very proud of, for instance, my uh, my 19 year old son. You know, he he bought he bought his first vehicle with his own cash, dropped four large, right, four large on his car, and that was because he he he, he cut lawns, he mowed grass, he saved his college or his, uh, his uh, Christmas money, you know, and then he got a job and, you know, we let him drive our car, but he went back and forth to his work. And, and i tell you what, man, I, the, one of the cool moments I've had in my life as a parent is watching him give that check over to that guy driving away in, in that car that he bought. Right. It's, it was an oh, amazing moment, that. an amazing <laughs> moment. Absolutely beautiful. That has not any self-destructivity to it in my mind. It's very healthy and he felt re- really great about it. Now, had he gone and got a loan for it and got this freaking car and couldn't afford it, that's like, what are you doing? And, and, and we had to really teach him for that because he may have done that if we don't give him that guidance. So self-care, getting back to that, is really like, these are things that, that, you, that really bring a distracted interest of enjoyment it, it, it's it's not it's pretty pure reading a good book um engaging in bird watching i like watching my birds <laughs> on saturday morning in my backyard i got purple marlins they're beautiful <laughs> right i've always been interested in fish um i do i like sporting events you know give me a good movie i play a video game there's another one right great maybe I love video games man i can disappear into my video game for three four five hours but it's fine because I don't have to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Where it becomes destructive is if I'm playing till three o'clock in the morning and I got to be at the workplace at eight. I said, "Come on, you're being destructive." You see, so there's you really self care is a is a is a is an awesome cornerstone that we can build our wellness from, as long as we're not you know taking anything away from ourselves. Yeah, and yeah. and I guess that's that's really the big reason that I'm asking is because there are costs to self-care, um, like there's cost to anything, you know, yeah. like you, your cost you three hours or it costs you this or that. And, and, and making that can be such a difficult judgment call. So that's, it wasn't really about, um, being pedantic, although I am pedantic. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, I need a definition. <laughs> oh, uh, like someone who argues semantics who's really into the details and, oh, you said this word and it means that. And so that's oh, right what a you. pedant would be, um, oh, I'm with you. Love it. I'm a pedantic as well. Yeah, I'm I inherited an antic person. <laughs> yeah, I inherited it from my family, and it's you know it, it's what it's. But yeah. um, so before we move on to our super fun game, um, could you let people know where to find you, where to find this amazing book that you're talking about, and hear your podcast? I yeah, just let people know where to find you. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool because we you know for years and years I've been, I was doing therapy, and I feel like I had to get a little bit more of these things there and pointing to mm-hmm. these you know, gray hairs that have grown, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I, I found myself saying a lot of the same things in, in, in the therapy world with, with people because we're all struggling with, you know, similar stuff from time to time. Everyone's story is unique. But, you know, as I started saying and, and seeing some themes and patterns, I thought, you know, I need to write this stuff down, right? And so I started writing it down and I found unique ways to say things. And sometimes these quotes kind of came out and these things that I was like, wow, like that, that's really the genesis of this thing, right? That's the, that's the genesis, really this whole platform of through a therapist's eyes, 
you know, it was, I need to scale this up and, and begin reaching out and, and getting these things that I'm passionate about to larger swaths of people. And what a cool life goal that became. And so, yeah, we developed this podcast. I wrote this book. I'm actually writing the second one's going to be on marriage. Oh dear. Right. <laughs> um, so through a therapist's eyes is kind of the, the, the big, the big catchphrase. Yeah. And if you're, if you, anyone is wondering if the cover art is fantastic, the answer is it absolutely is. Um, it's just gorgeous. Um, so yeah, Through a Therapist Eyes is both the name of the book and the podcast. And I'm assuming you can find the book on Amazon? Uh, yeah, the book at Morgan James. I was, I was honored enough to be picked up by Morgan James Publishing. So that was pretty cool. And uh, I guess they got it everywhere. You know, it's funny. I'm learning the author world. It's a, that's a weird world of mm-hmm. um, bookstores and authors. Evidently, there's this great disconnect. What the, well, I don't understand that. <laughs> but so it's, it's, it's a new world now. Everything's online. And so, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I will say this for, for your benefit, Kara. People that are listening here, please understand, like, it helps a lot to click those five stars, right? Like Kara mm-hmm. needs you to send some comments and some some reviews. Like that makes a big deal for our line of work, doesn't it? It's a huge difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, massive. So leave Kara all the reviews, man, because she's awesome. Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> all right. Are you excited? Are you ready to guess some Canadian slang? I'm actually terrified. The view, <laughs> view of my world. All right. So we'll start with yeah. we'll start with a classic. What is a toonie? Oh, man, I, I am still going to suck at this. I've heard it before. You know what? I'm pulling my Google page up, man. No, that's cheating. Can I, I can't cheat. You didn't give me the rules here. <laughs> hey, the rules are no cheating. Okay. <laughs> the toonie is a form of fish. You know, that's that's a good guess, but it's actually the $2 coin. We have a $1 and a $2 ah, coin. Sweet. And the toonie okay. is made of two different metals. Okay, cool. Which is kind of cool. Okay, so um, on yeah, the I have two- a buddy that I've, I've met with through Morgan James Publishing. I'm just gonna give a shout out, like Tom. His name's Tom Dutta. Look him up; he's awesome. The Quiet Warrior. If if you listen to this, Tom, I am so sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Is he Canadian? He is totally Canadian from British <laughs> Columbia. Well, on the theme of two, do you know what a double double is? A shot. It's a coffee with two creams and two sugars. Of course. Okay. You yeah. can get it at Tim's. Um, <laughs> All right. So what does it mean to say that someone is givener? Givener? Givener. Givener. Like they're a giving person. Damn, I'm blowing this. It means that they're trying really hard. So like if someone's like shoveling really fast, he's just fucking givener. All right. Givener. All right. That sounds like something we would see in the South. Um, all right. You know, it's funny. It's funny. Canada is in some ways a lot more similar to the South than people think. Um, oh, I got a I point out. I'm from West Virginia, not the South. Oh boy, I want people to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost heaven. Anyways, you're going to make me cry. What is a Mickey? Oh, that's a drink. Sort of. Oh, come on. Let me have one. It's okay. You win. It is a drink in the form of a 26 ounce bottle of liquor. Okay. Well, that has to be way too specific. It's okay. It's, I'm, I'm going to give myself one. I Yeah. And you know what's funny is that. All of these sayings I never realized were so unique to Canada. Um, yeah. Until much later. I like this one. Okay, so maybe you have heard this because I feel like it can't be Canadian. What is a keener? <laughs> keener. Uh, that that feels like a, a container of some sort. Keener. I'm not sure. It's, it's someone who tries tries too hard, like a try hard, 
like a like a brown noser. Oh, they're like being he's a real keener. A brownie. Brown noser. Yeah, okay. Okay, last <laughs> one. Maybe you'll right. get this, maybe you won't. I have no idea. Um, what is a newfie? I got no idea. It's from newfie. it's someone from Newfoundland. Ah, oh, okay, he's a newfie from Newfoundland. All right, Newfoundland cool. and Labrador. Uh, <laughs> that's my best newfie accent. I'm not good at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I really want to say, Kara, I have truly enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate what you're doing and uh, on your show, and I, um, uh, it's been super good. To um, I'm glad that you had me. I'm so glad that you came on. I had so much fun, and I think it's really cool. Um, your show is also worth listening to. If you listen to this, if you if you want to know what life is like through a therapist's eyes. Go there check go. it out. Um, also, buy the book. Leave reviews. Do it. Um, <laughs> is there anything you wanted to add before I say goodbye to the audience? Uh, you know what? We really are endeavoring to figure this thing out together. That's a line I've kind of coined and love to say because, you know, we're all, we are all in this life journey together and anything we can do to help each other out, you know what? Do it because uh, you're hoping people do it for you. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, to my audience, I love you. Bye.